Hi everyone, this is Takatoshi Shibayama, host of the Future Design Podcast. In this COVID-19 special, I had a chat with Taymor Nabili, who most recently was a correspondent reporter and anchor for news broadcasters such as BBC, CNBC, and Channel News Asia. He talks to us about the current state of media and what the next generation mass media will look like. Future Design Podcast. Hi, Taymor. Uh, how are you doing? I'm um, doing well, Taka. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. And uh, Taymor, your your career in the uh, media has been uh, spanned across about 20 plus years. Uh, you've been a correspondent reporter and anchor at uh, BBC, CNBC, Al Jazeera, Channel News Asia, to name a few. And most recently, you're an executive producer at the uh, Asian Development Bank. Correct. Yeah. So how are you doing uh, during this quarantine lockdown period? Well, uh, to, to, to put it very mildly, I'm getting a little bit claustrophobic, but you can't complain. I mean, here in Singapore, we've only been under for a, a week or so, haven't we? Um, you know, some of the people we talk to around the world have been enduring it for, for multiple weeks, and uh, I feel very sorry for them. Yeah. Uh, at least, you know, in Singapore, it is uh, le- uh, week three, and although the government um, puts fines and you know potentially a jail time for people who are not compliant to the social distancing policies we still do get to go around a little bit for exercise you know jogging i had a friend that was posting uh photos of him you know doing like a you know 20 kilometer bicycle ride around singapore so you know we do have some freedom yeah, yeah. i mean i've been doing much more cycling than than ever before uh, given yeah. the situation, uh, you say three weeks. I don't know about you. I've only been I've only been really locked down for about a week. I mean, it re- only really got very serious about a week ago. I think for me, that is true. That mm. is true. And uh, I think it's it's uh, it's getting a little bit uh, tougher these days. Now we have to wear masks outside. There are some um, you know kind of rules in place now to make this lockdown a lot more serious than before. Well, let's hope it doesn't last long. I mean, the numbers. Uh, if we can see a drop in the numbers in the next couple of weeks, then maybe. Maybe we'll get a bit of an ease off. Yeah, all fingers crossed on yeah. that one. Yeah. So um, during this lockdown period, uh, you know, I'm sure you have been uh, chasing, you know, different media um, outlets, uh, and you know, we're now faced with a lot of um, fake news and my uh, bias reportings, and all these things all mixed up with proper ju- uh, journalism and reporting as well. Um, how? What is your take on all this at the moment? It's, it's kind of added complexity to a situation that was already incredibly complex, wasn't it? I mean, the, uh, what you're talking about in terms of fake news, in terms of news outlets, in terms of um, checkability and, and reliability of news online, I mean, we've, we've been dealing with that for a couple of, more than a couple of years already. Uh, and all of a sudden, we've got this COVID situation where all of us are trying to make news in circumstances where... Um, you know, getting access to people, getting access to situations is is nearly impossible in many contexts. So it's just made things um, extraordinarily difficult. And it's not just the news situation either. I mean, as you know, you're doing these these conversations with me and others. Um, the whole setup of even interacting with people on a social or cultural basis has become uh, a question of 
overcoming a number of obstacles and dealing with technologies that none of us are entirely familiar with. Uh, and from my position, we're beginning to recognize that those technologies are not really fit for purpose, are they? I mean, you're using, here you're using Hangouts, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and there are multiple platforms that people are using. There's Zoom. I, I did one on Blue Jeans the other day, which I've never heard of before. Um, there are people using Zoom. I use Skype uh, for particular format reasons for some of the work that I do on this. But, you know, the, there are so many different tools that one can use, but they all do little things in little ways. Uh, and then you have to combine a number of them to achieve your output. Uh, and I'm kind of interested to see whether this whole situation is going to drive content producers and more specifically technology companies to come up with um, more useful and user-friendly tools that we can do these kind of events with without having to sort of fiddle around with a million different parts and, and try and make them work. I, I don't know what your experience has been in, in making these things. No, my experience is, is uh, I, I feel like it's pretty easy. I mean, I could flick on this Google Meet and start this conversation we're recording right now, uh, and then we can post it on social media or YouTube or whatever uh, you know media platform we want to put out. You know, it's all about the outreach afterwards. So, you know, the bar for creating content has definitely gone down the past you know decade for sure. But uh, you know, what I'm really concerned about is like how uh, real those contents are, right? And how we're actually getting it out to, to people. So, you know, I, I mentioned like fake news or biased reporting, you know, you could, it's so easy to make any of these stuff on top of like real uh, reporting as well. So, you know, especially in these, you know, horrid situations, like in, in, in this court, uh, COVID-19 situation where everybody's afraid they want access to, to real news, but you know, it's they're overwhelmed with so much of the same type of news and then fake stuff and real stuff on top of it. I mean, how do we start to distinguish what's real? And I mean, obviously AI could, you know, obviously potentially solve us in these situations. But you know, let's say we started doing fact checking with AI at the same time, we'll probably never even hear Trump speak again, you know. <laughs> so, you know, but, uh, we can only hope. We can only hope that that will be the outcome. <laughs> Um, but look, again, so we, we, there, are, there are so many multiple aspects of this. So talking specifically about this whole fake news situation, um, you know, it's from my perspective as, as someone who's been in the news business for an awfully long time, I don't think that fake news is really the issue that is being made out to be, or at least it's not being framed in a way that is actually meaningful. Because think about it. Um, you and I have been dealing with fake news for our entire lives. I, I grew up and started my journalism career in the UK. And the UK has had a tabloid media industry um, that qualifies as fake news under anybody's uh, definitions. I mean, the, 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 the red tops, as they're called in the, in the UK, have been putting out nonsense for decade upon decade. Um, I read in the papers this morning that Harry and Meghan, the royal family, have, have finally sent a letter to Rupert Murdoch and the heads of the tabloid papers in the UK saying, we will not talk to you ever again because all you do is lie. And I applaud them for that because the fact is that we've had fake news um, for an awfully long time. In the, in the US where you spent some time, uh, the National Enquirer has been putting out nonsense for, for as long as I can remember and, and probably longer. So fake news is, 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 has always been with us. The change that we've seen 
is that it now can scale uh, beyond anything we ever previously imagined. Previously, it was sitting on a supermarket shelf or a newsagent's shelf, and you would have to literally physically pick it up in order to be exposed to it. Now we're being exposed to it in ways that we never imagined. So the scale and the context has changed, but the, the existence of fake news uh, is, is something that has been with us. So just a, a distinction to make. So how do we make a difference in, in making sure that it doesn't become as disruptive uh, as it can be? That is a, a problem that I don't have an answer to and nobody has an answer to. Uh, and at some point over the next, hopefully, less than five years, we will come up with a solution, whether it be AI or, or some other solution. I hope that solution doesn't involve governments banning everything that doesn't say what they want us to hear, because that would be uh, as bad as the problem in the first place. So, you know, as far as the fake news is concerned, I, I wish I had a better answer for you than that. But uh, I do think that we need to begin by understanding much more clearly and much more carefully and in a much more nuanced situation what the problem is and frame it properly before we start hitting it with the big hammer and saying, you're fake news, you must shut up. Um, as, far as, as far as the other technologies are concerned, you know, again, I come from a, a background in, in an industry where uh, because of product differentiation in the news business, I worked in an industry where we spent an awful lot of time trying to make sure that people put more value in well-produced well-crafted, high-quality, well-edited, beautifully shot pictures. We put a lot of effort into production, uh, and we thought this adds more value. And what you were talking about is now we're talking about authenticity. We, you can sit there with me, and we can have this conversation, and people can listen to it. But I still think that however good a job we are doing here, it doesn't match the broadcast quality kind of work that we used to do in the news industry. So. Is it the same thing? I don't know. I mean, maybe the authentic and gritty feel that we're achieving here is actually more useful than all the polish and gloss that we used to put on television pictures. I don't know. People will make their decisions ultimately. But, you know, I'm still looking at this, the, the kind of stuff that I'm doing online like this and saying, how can I make it look better? How can I change the lighting? I mean, you see, I'm sitting in my study here and the lighting's not great. And I'm thinking this, this could look so much better. So these are the things I pay attention to. I don't, I don't know whether you think, you know, I'm, I'm too old school in this. Maybe, maybe I should. Maybe I should get into the grittiness a bit more. I think there exist two types. So you know, with the with the social media rise, whether it be Instagram or or TikTok, uh, the younger generations love to consume amateur made uh, you know content. But you know, we also need the likes of CNN or Channel News Asia to consume. Um, real, real news, right? And beautifully shot screens, professional speakers on on TV. Now, I don't. I think both of them will continue to exist. But you know, things like what we're doing, yes, it's amateur, but you know, semi amateur because I I want to create you know not just me dancing in in uh, you know different clothes or or doing some kind of like chore choreography. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I'd right? like to see you doing this show, dancing in different clothes every week. <laughs> <laughs> or I have a virtual background, so maybe maybe that's a little bit uh, you know uh, crafted in some way. But you know, I think there's all sorts of me uh, mediums that can come out, different types of content that come out, and because of social media has allowed us to do that as well. But I think, as you said, it's the authenticity, and then I, I also think on top of that is the integrity 
of what you're trying to post out and how can professional, you know, news um, uh, broadcasters can, can really, um, you know, show the viewers that what they're doing is very, in, in, you know, integral, right? So, you yeah. know, you, you mentioned like daily mails or like the, whatever those, um, you know, gossip news are. I mean, people go there because they know it's crap, you know, they know it's gossip stuff. And that's, that's, there's a reason why they go to that. But if you're going on to CNN or Channel News Asia or any, any type of professionally done um, media channels, they want the real thing. They want integrity. But I, I feel like that's being somewhat uh, compromised as well. Well, look, I mean, there's, again, that there, there are so many, so many angles to this that it's, it's really hard to have a conversation about all of them in the round. Um, but I think in the in the context of news, if if you are a a reporter and you have a background in journalism and an understanding of the craft of journalism, uh, then producing stuff with a handphone is actually probably the way forward. Producing uh, your own user driven content, user generated content, is a really viable and valuable way of getting um, authenticity, uh, of getting timely coverage. Of access to events on the ground, all these things are fantastic. Um, I don't, however, think that, you know, some of the, some of the, the, the comments that you're making about the, authentic, about the credibility of institutions is also still up for grabs. I mean, you know, we're seeing an enormous conversation going on about is RT, what used to be Russia today, is that fake news? Is China uh, CGTN, is that fake news? Is the stuff that's coming out of there? We're fighting for the soul of, uh, of truth. And, and again, not to get into, into the, the weeds about what constitutes truth in the modern age. Uh, we, these conversations are, are being had at every single level. Governments are having them and you and I are having them. And, and every point in between is what's going on. And there isn't any solution that I can see right now that makes any real sense. You can't, you can't, you can't sit there and say that the Russian perspective on um, a particular global issue is any less valid than the Chinese or the the, the American or, or the European or the German or the British. It's just you, you have to start thinking in much more nuanced terms about what is what is necessarily true and what isn't. Certain stuff can be fact checked uh, and has been done so, and that is where the business of news starts to come in. And that's where we really put in the efforts of journalism is we do the fact checking, we do the legwork, we do the research, we try and justify everything that we say with uh, the necessary work rather than shooting from the hip in terms of coverage. But that's what costs the money. Uh, and that sort of let me segue neatly into the other part of this conversation. We're talking about production values. The whole business of news and production is an expensive business. And so uh, a lot of the future, I think, is going to is I think we're going to see a lot of this kind of thing that we're doing dropping away because the costs involved in, in putting together stuff that is credible and viable are beyond the capacity of an individual in their own context. It, it needs real money. It needs real manpower. It needs um, some real effort and resource. So I think I think a lot of this is going to die away. And then we have the context of events. Right. And, and I think events are, are an enormous. The whole COVID thing has shown us that events are, are a vital part of our concern right now, not only because the amount of flying we're doing is just environmentally so toxic that the ability to have events without doing that flying 
is something that we should have looked at an awful long time ago. And why is that technology not there? And of course, we can't have a, a global event. We can't get a, a multinational corporation or, or an organization like the, the ADB or anyone like that putting on an event where there isn't some production quality, where there isn't some sense of engagement and, uh, and um, embracing of the audience and making the audience feel part of the issue. So which brings me back to where I started. The technology, I think, also needs to develop in this context. So again, I'm, so, I'm sorry to ramble, but there's this whole scope of conversations that, that, that we're dealing with right now. Uh, and I, I, I hope that some of these big companies like Google, like Facebook, uh, like the news organizations, will begin to invest more money into making these technologies more user-friendly and more production-heavy, such that we can do this easily and quickly in, in a way that everybody can relate to and uh, makes more sense in the context of everything that I've said. And do you have any aspiring uh, advice for anybody who's wanting to get into the media industry or trying to make you know these digital conferences happen? Um, what do you think is something that they should keep in mind uh, after we get out of this lockdown situation? <laughs> well, again, I mean, depending on the angle, I mean, my son keeps saying to me, I want to be a YouTuber. I'm going to make a fortune as a YouTuber. Um, and, you know, I, I say to him, mate, by the time, you know, you're old enough to start thinking about making money and, and, and you know, having, buying yourself a car, which is obviously the other thing you also talk about. I say, the, 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 I hope there won't be any cars. Um, and also, I don't think YouTubing as an industry is going to survive. I mean, I, you know, again, I think a lot of this stuff is going to shake out in the mix. And it, this, this is not an industry that is going to support every young kid in a bedroom being a YouTuber and making money out of it. Um, there's going to be a tendency towards quality and production because, as I say, the resources necessary to do the real good work uh, are not available to everybody. So we're going to see it scale uh, and move into the big industries. Um, I don't think that the existing news industries are going to survive in their current form. I mean, you know, this this whole situation is is putting the newspapers, in particular, the printed news media, in a in a position. I mean, we thought they were in in in, in real trouble. Uh, six months ago, uh, and now uh, it's it's even so many of them, and you know credit to them are making their COVID coverage free because it's a it's a global humanitarian situation, but that's not helping their bottom line. That's not helping them make money, uh, and so many of them are still so stuck in the way that they do things. As you know, creating change from within a, a, an institutional structure is a very hard thing to do. So for you know, my son wants to get into the news business. He, you know, he's just going to have to start thinking about all these tools that are out there, keeping on top of the technology that is coming along, learning how this technology works and, and finding new ways that he can put it together uh, and convince people that it works. Uh, and eventually, some of the new news institutions will begin to spring up where they're beginning to bring together the skills and the resources necessary to deliver fact-checked, authenticated, reliable news from people with training and integrity to a larger audience. But you know that business model just hasn't arrived yet. I'm sorry to, to skirt around the issue, but I've been to, I can't tell you how many news conferences I've been to in the past five years in which the question has been, how are we going to make news at scale uh, that generates revenue? And nobody has an answer. Right, thank you. That was a really great insight, uh, Timor. Um, you know, uh, we'll try to keep you, where, where can people uh, find you, know more about you, I, I, my, my role as a, as, a, as a journalist in the daily news business is over, as you know, Tucker. I'm, my work for the Asian Development Bank is, is to try and get into the um, 
pushing of the climate agenda and the environmental agenda. So techforimpact.asia is the site that I'm currently working on. I set it up to try and bring solutions towards the developmental economic challenges that face developing Asia in a way that pursues a sustainability agenda. Uh, and so that, that's where most of my attention is focused. And I'm trying to find a way to have conversations with people about that agenda in a way that I can deliver to, uh, to the general audience with the technologies that we have. So you and I are facing the same challenges. And when I've got a solution, I'll let you know. All right, awesome. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Damore. Thanks for your time. Appreciate um, it, Tiger. Future Design Podcast. This podcast was not sponsored by anyone. It's completely self-funded. So please subscribe because that will completely uplift my spirit for the day. Until next time, hasta la vista, baby.